Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Today we are in the parables, and uh, we... Let me just fix that up. Yep. Okay, um... There's a Christian group that I follow on social media, they're on YouTube mainly, a great group, they're called the FAI, Frontier Alliance International, uh, a multi-denominational group uh, who work in the Middle East, in sort of that really war-torn, high civil war period in the Middle East. Uh, These guys work amongst displaced people groups, people who've been victims of terrorism, people who've been victims of um, civil war within these countries, the sectarian violence that takes place there. Uh, They work amongst these people and what they do is they administer medicinal supplies, so they take medicines into these people that have been hurt or injured or whatnot through uh, these civil wars and through this terrorism. Uh, They also have doctors who go and carry out surgeries to uh, heal people who have been um, damaged uh, through and hurt through war, uh, to save lives as well. They also teach and train literacy to help educate people as well. Some of these people lose their parents or lose one parent or whatever. Uh, they actually try and come in and help these uh, kids, teenagers or whatever, to begin to just learn literacy, literacy skills and things of that nature. Uh, now, they do this uh, for anybody. So Christians or even the marginalised Muslims who have been actually you know, caught up in that sectarian violence as well. Uh, the great thing is they make no criteria here for who receives their help and who they treat with love and kindness in every way. And for me, as I see this Christian organisation do that, they just simply want to reach out with the love of Jesus regardless of who you are or what you've done or what your background might be. It's just a wonderful picture of the love of Christ being demonstrated out through people living out the gospel, which is uh, fantastic. Now, we're going to see a bit of that today as we go to a very well-known parable. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read from uh, verses 25 through to 37. And you're going to know it as soon as we start reading it. Luke chapter 10 verse 25, and behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he Desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer responds, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come to this really well-known parable, the Good Samaritan. Uh, Lord, I pray today, please uh, let your spirit work through your word, opening up here to the truth of what Jesus is really communicating about who a neighbour is and what this love really looks like. We ask for your help now, Holy Spirit, to change hearts, to open up eyes and open up ears to see this truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, Yep, probably one of Jesus' most famous parables. Even in a worldly sense, there's many that are familiar with the saying, Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan. You'll hear it often said that he or she was the Good Samaritan of the day. They did this kind deed or this kind action towards this person and helped them out in their time of trouble. Uh, Now certainly in this parable, there is an amazing act of kindness that we see demonstrated there that takes place. But Jesus wants us to see so much more than just this act of kindness that's taken place. He wants us to see that, but he wants to see the significance behind this act of kindness as well. What Jesus wants to show us here is unconditional love. Unconditional love shown to anybody, anybody, for all people. Here's our big idea today as we begin to shape where we're going to go with this parable. It's this, uh, the love of Jesus Christ both empowers us and enables us to love anybody and everybody in word and deed. The love of Jesus Christ both empowers and enables us to love anybody and everybody in word and deed. A bit of background here, context for the story that helps to understand why Jesus went to this parable here of the Good Samaritan. We're told in verse 25, a lawyer... Uh, That is someone who has studied God's law, so it's not a civil law lawyer from that day, it's someone who's been studying the law of Moses, who studied God's law and knows it inside out, knows it forwards and backwards and upside down. He comes to ask Jesus a question, but even in finding out here what he's doing here, we also see this, that the lawyer comes to put Jesus to the test. He's putting a test upon Jesus here. Quite probably this test was somehow to shame Jesus, to belittle him to try and make him look small or awkward or actually lost in what he said or or of no consequence whatsoever. Uh, The lawyer doesn't have pure motives here like he's trying to learn something else about Jesus. It's a test to shame Jesus. And he asks here in verse 25, he says this, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to gain eternal life. How can I earn eternal life is really what he's saying. And he probably could easily add to what he just said then, what do I have to do that I haven't already done? Probably as he puts this test towards Jesus and says that quite smugly to Jesus at that particular time. Jesus responds in verse 26 and he says this, you're a lawyer, you know God's, you know the law of Moses really, really well. What do you see in this law? What do you see in God's word at this time? And the lawyer responds, verse 27. This is not Jesus saying, this is the lawyer. This is the one steeped in God's law. He responds in verse 27 and says this. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and 
your neighbour as yourself. Love God, love others. Now you could imagine the people standing around this group saying, bravo, bravo, good answer, straight out of the book of Deuteronomy. That is God's great commandment. They're all thinking this guy's got it right. Wasn't Jesus saying this? This is the lawyer who's quoting God's word at this time. And Jesus tells him the very same thing in verse 28. Jesus says, well done. You've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. If you want to do something to gain eternal life, go and do this and do it without fail for the rest of your life. Well, the lawyer thinks he's doing okay by this stage. He thinks, I've got, yeah, I've got a few things, I've got the, all my ducks lined up here, I know where I'm going, I feel like I'm pretty confident. So he, he tries his hand here just to prove again that his lifestyle really has hit the mark here at loving God and loving others. And we read there again in verse 29, again we see the background, what's happening inside this lawyer's mind. It says there, and to justify himself, so to justify himself, he says, and, and who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour? You can sort of picture this whole dialogue taking place between Jesus and this lawyer amongst this group of people here. There's questions and answers going backwards and forwards here. And the lawyer thinks he's in the box seat. He really thinks he's pushed Jesus into a corner here at this particular time. So come on, Jesus. Just who is my neighbour so I can show you how good I really am? Because he's seeking to justify himself. So here's the question now that Jesus answers for the lawyer, or asks us now, for the lawyer and for us. Who is my neighbour and what does loving them look like? Jesus is about now to go into this parable here to do that. In loving my neighbour as I love myself, who are they? Who is my neighbour and what does that love look like? So to answer this question now, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now again, Jesus actually uses real-time situations that take place back in Palestine at that particular day. He's not making some sort of fictitious story up in his mind. Jesus uses a real-time journey down a real road for this parable of the Good Samaritan. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho, what Jesus talks about, is a road that's about 28 kilometres thereabouts long. It starts off high in Jerusalem and descends about more than a thousand metres over that 28 kilometres. That road also goes through a very rocky, barren, isolated area that is absolutely notorious for thieves and bandits to hide out. It's just the perfect spot to crouch behind rocks and to come upon unsuspecting people and do their business. Now, most people would not travel that road as a single person. Most would travel in groups just to safely go up and down that road. Otherwise, they're going to get robbed. So in the parable, Jesus says a guy does travel this road on his own and he's beset upon by ruthless thieves hiding out here in this rocky outcrop. What do they do? They give this guy a flogging. They absolutely flog him. They steal his clothes. You might think, steal his clothes? Well, that was one of the most treasured things back in that day. We actually take other people's clothes. And whatever other possessions he happened to have at that time. And they quite literally give him such a flogging that he's so badly beaten, his life hangs in the balance. He's not good at all in this situation. 
And as the story goes on, we see a little while later, a priest who's on his way back from Jerusalem, I mean travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, he comes along this stretch of road. He, He sees here this moaning and groaning man lying in pain. The priest sees him, a priest who should be the one who uh, embodies God's law and the truth of who God is. He sees this man here and instantly looks the other way, shuts him right out of his mind and goes right on by without giving any assistance or help whatsoever. Not too long after that, a Levite comes along. Who's the Levite? A Levite is like a temple assistant or a temple worker who works in the uh, the temple that the Jewish uh, people have built. He comes along this same stretch of road. He too sees this bloodied and beaten man lying in pain. And the text actually reads there that he sort of goes up and has a bit of a look at the person, maybe just a quick glimpse. But then he too walks up very quickly and just leaves him behind, just allowing him to lie there to die where he lay. So two people have come past and they've just walked right on by this person. Jesus now introduces a third person here into this story. He says this, now a Samaritan comes along this really dangerous, notorious road. And he too sees this pitiful sight of a man here lying immobilised by pain and suffering. Look at me in verse 33, what Jesus says. He says this, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, down that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Remember what Jesus is showing here when he's, out, when he's giving this story here of the parable. Who is my neighbour? And what does love look like towards that neighbour? So the first thing we see here about this person, this third person who's introduced in the story here, is that we see love has empathy or feelings. Empathy or feelings. The Samaritan sees this crumpled mess of a man beside the road and what's his reaction when he sees this person lying there bloodied and beaten and bruised? Does he coldly shut him out of his mind just like the previous priest and the Levite had done? Does he pick up the pace and just get the heck out of there because who knows where these robbers are? What does he do? Now we're told that as he sees, he has compassion for this beaten man. You see, love, true love that we show towards our neighbour, has empathy or has feelings towards others. You see, love sees others and particularly when they're going through a tough time, it begins to feel some of their pain. It begins to feel some of the hardship that someone else is going through. You see, when love is working within us, truly and in a real way, we actually begin to identify with other people when they are going through their really tough and challenging times. We have feelings of compassion. We have feelings of grief or empathy or sadness towards them for what they're going through. Think about a couple of years back when we had those horrendous bushfires sort of working their way all the way. Did you investigate any of those fires, Dave? Good. Now just check out those well. Think about those bushfires we had a couple of years back working their way down the east coast and we're getting on those nightly news reports and we're seeing people getting interviewed and standing behind them is their house reduced to ashes. What do you feel when you actually watch those reports? You feel for those people, don't you? You feel for their loss. You feel for everything that's just been burned to ashes behind them. 
You have this sense of empathy and compassion that reaches out for them. Your heart goes out and you actually feel some of the pain that they're going through. Now, we may react in different ways with that compassion or that empathy. Some of us may break down in tears when we see that report. We could react like that, but others may simply be just lost for words as we just take in that personal loss that they've experienced. But if we've truly got a heart that's operating in love, there's got to be some sort of feelings or empathy that comes initially as we see what other people are going through and the challenges they face. The Samaritan has these compassionate feelings, but it doesn't stop just at feelings. He doesn't shed a few tears as he sees the man there and then take off and go again. Love is deeply expressed through actions. It's more than just emotions. Love is deeply expressed through actions. Look at what the Samaritan does here in response to this felt compassion. We read there that he actually puts himself in possible danger by stopping on this risky road, this notorious road, to assist this guy. He's not going to stop for 30 seconds or a minute. It's going to take quite a while here to actually deal with this guy. And this road's known for lots of robbers and thieves. Maybe they're just waiting behind the next rocky outcrop. As soon as someone stops, well, we'll just vlog him as well. What's he do? He gives of his own supplies. He pulls out some wine, he pulls out some oil to try and care for the victim's wounds. Not only does he do that, he gives up his own mode of transportation and places this wounded man upon his donkey. So who knows how far down the journey is. Let's just say he's halfway. Well, he's still got 14 kilometres to go. So he's now going to do that on foot while this wounded stranger, he doesn't know from a bar of soap, puts him on the donkey. So it goes beyond feelings here to actions. And it doesn't just stop there with his actions. He actually takes, the, the Samaritan takes this wounded stranger who he's never met before to the nearest inn, or we call that a motel today, so that he can recover from his wounds as well. He actually books in this complete stranger and pays enough money, two denarii, which is like two days' wages, but back then it probably would have covered, as I read earlier this week, maybe one to two weeks' accommodation here at this inn to actually see this man get well. And he tells the innkeeper, please, whatever this guy needs over this period of time that he's recovering, whatever he needs, please give it to him and I'll pay the bill when I come back through next time I see you. It's more than just feelings here. There's action being demonstrated through this love that Jesus talks about here in loving our neighbour. You see, truly loving our neighbour is costly. It'll cost us time, it'll cost us energy, and it'll cost us money as well from time to time. It's a costly thing. It's not just feelings or empathy, it requires action as well. You see, the Samaritan, he doesn't just show basic love or basic compassion as he comes across this situation. He doesn't just feel something and just leave it at that. He sees and he feels and then he does all he can to show practical love in action to his neighbour in desperate need, no matter what the cost may be at that particular time. He doesn't stop when he's sitting there on the side of the road and begin to calculate, hang on, this is going to, oh, I'm going to have to get off my donkey, I'm going to have to empty out my wine, I'm going to have to pay for this. He doesn't stop to calculate any of that. He just goes and does it. Love responds in this immediate action. 
So Jesus has talked here about love demonstrated through feelings and also through actions, followed up by the actions. But who's my neighbour is really clear in this passage as well. It may not be evident on the outside, but it's really clear in this passage as well. Jesus uses the example here of a Samaritan person, which is of no little account when Jesus actually tells this story. You see, the crowd and the lawyer, as they're crowding around to hear this story, and they're hearing Jesus talk about this, uh, this uh, parable here, they're expecting next, after the priest, okay, they're the priest, he's a good Jewish guy, and then the Levite, oh, well, he's a good Jewish guy as well. They're probably thinking, okay, priest, Levite, temple worker, next will be probably an ordinary Jewish person, just an ordinary run-of-the-mill Jew who happens to be doing that same road again. But a Samaritan? Jesus, why did you introduce a Samaritan? Jesus is making a real point here about our love for others when he brings the Samaritan here into this story. And the point is this, our love for our neighbour or other people has no limits. It has no limits. To see this, we need to understand that between the Samaritans and the Jews, there was no love. It was only bitterness and angst between Samaritans and Jews. They were locked in bitter relationships. They did not like each other at all. They were both of Israelite descent, except that the Jews saw the Samaritans as half-castes, or they saw the Samaritans as a mongrel breed. You were the guys who centuries ago got intermarried with the Assyrians and all those other nations. So you've totally polluted all the bloodlines. You're actually a bunch of mongrels. You're a mongrel breed. That's exactly how the Jews saw the Samaritans. And that caused bitter relations between them. We actually can see an example of what was taking place between Jews and Samaritans just in the chapter before. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 9, 51. We'll bring it up on the screen for you as well. And it says this. Jesus is walking with his disciples... When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face, that is Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messages ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Verse 53, but the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. Okay, the Samaritans did not receive him. Oh, you're, you're, you're a Jerusalem Jew. We have nothing to do with you people. But look how the disciples react in the very next verse. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell a fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Doesn't sound like a happy relationship, does it? Gives you a little snapshot on how Jews and Samaritans actually saw each other. This is just the chapter before Jesus tells the Good Samaritan parable. Verse 55, Jesus turns around and says, and rebukes them. No, fellas, we're not going to call down fire today and destroy the village, okay? Because Dave might come and investigate it and he'll discover where the fire came from. Okay? That gives a snapshot here what's taking place between the Samaritans and the Jews. Not happy. Not happy. Lawyer? Who is your neighbour? It's not just the people of your own tribe or nation. It's not just the, your own people of your set or your clique. It's not just the people you choose to like, Lawyer? No, Jesus says, your neighbour is the people who may be considered your enemy. They're the ones that you love. So Jesus now goes back to the lawyer here and asks him in verse 36 this question. Of these three guys, 
Who proved to be the neighbour in the situation, lawyer? And the lawyer replies in verse 37. He couldn't even actually use the word Samaritan. He just says, the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. And Jesus follows up with, you go and do likewise. That's who your neighbour is. You see, the Good Samaritan is a strikingly powerful parable. The lawyer and the others standing around would have been dumbstruck. They would have been lost for words that Jesus used a Samaritan as the hero of the story. Of all people, Jesus, what the heck were you thinking? Well, Jesus knew what he was thinking perfectly. You see, here's the point. God's love has no boxes. God's love has no boxes. You see, we have boxes with our love. If certain people don't tick our boxes, well, then we just don't show them the love they should be shown. But if they do tick the boxes, well, then maybe we will show them the love that we want to show them. Often, we'll have boxes like this. Uh, They're from another nation. They're from another country and they're stealing all our jobs here in Australia. So we're not going to love them, cross. Some people can have a box like that. Or, they're just not part of my friend set. I, I don't really gel with them, so I just won't be as loving towards them. Cross. We put a cross in that box. Or maybe... Someone is is unkind towards you. Maybe someone who lives next door and they just give you a hard time. So it's not worth it. I'm just not going to be loving to them. You just put a cross in the box. Or maybe someone's of a different religion and they do life different to our culture. They sort of dress really weird like and, you know, they have all these strange ways of doing things and I, I sort of will, I'll tolerate them but I'm not really going to love them. So we just put another cross in the box. Or or maybe just someone's too hard a work to get on with. It's just too complicated. There's just too much happening here. It's just too difficult to love this person. So we actually just hold back our love and we just put another cross in the box. Or maybe someone is simply of a different political party. (laughs) cross in the box. We're not going to love them. You see, God has no boxes when it comes to love. We do have boxes, unfortunately, and we shouldn't have them, but God has no boxes when it comes to love. Jesus tells us to love our enemies, those who plan and do mean things towards us. Have a look what he says in Matthew chapter 5. He says this, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, or Jesus says to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How so, Jesus? How does this happen? Because we find it really easy to love ourselves and very difficult to love others. Well, Jesus comes to set us free from self-love and to give us a new heart to love God primarily and then to allow that love to flow out through us and to love all others. You see, the lawyer thought he was home and host. He thought he had ticked all his boxes and he was good and he was in the clear with God. 
But Jesus comes along and just exposes his callous heart by bringing up the Samaritan here, by picking and choosing who he's going to show his love to. He's not going to show it to Samaritan. He's only going to show it to the ones he wants to show it to. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we're not much different to the lawyer. We pick and we choose who we're going to love. We set up our own little tick box scenario. Why does that happen? Because we've actually lost sight of who God is. And we've chosen to love ourselves ahead of anything else. It's all about me. What's it taken? It's taken Jesus' death on the cross to rescue us from this sinful mindset. To reveal to us who we really are. To enable us to receive a new heart to now love others. And it's only when we see the love of Christ at the cross shown to us who aren't worthy of that love in any way, shape or form. We could never do anything to deserve that or earn that. It's only when we begin to see that, unworthy as we are, but given to us, that we can now begin to show that for others. When we see that Jesus loved me despite my sinfulness, despite all the boxes I'd set up and was trying to get people to tick in my life, when we see that, and then he went to the cross to pay the price of that sin, of rejecting God and his love, when I experience that love truly in my own heart and it begins to flow through me, then I see people in a whole new light. I see them just like me, not earning it or deserving it or worthy of it, but just given to me. I can now love them. I want to show them Jesus' love so they too can experience the love that I've seen through him and received through him. And this is one of the very true tests of being truly born again. Are you truly a follower of Jesus? Do you love your enemies? Do you love all people? Do you have boxes there lined up for who's going to tick before you actually give people the love? Can I be kind and compassionate towards those who are unkind towards me? That's a true test here of being born again. You see, if the Samaritan remained true to form in this situation, as he saw that wounded man travelling down that road between Jerusalem and Jericho, what he should have probably done was thrown a few verbal insults at the guy who was on the ground and perhaps even picked up a few rocks and thrown them at him and then just moved on his way. If he had remained true to form. But he didn't. See, Jesus is illustrating a point here of how the gospel changes everything. And if there's something I know about the community and the world we live in, they are desperately looking for this deep, sacrificial love to be demonstrated through this world, a love for all people. We have so much racial tension in this world around about us that we pick and choose who we'll show compassion to. Just get on the news and see this tension erupting all over the world. Desperately looking for someone to show compassion in that situation. Even the Novak Djokovic Um, saga over the last week or so has been showing unloving people towards each other over a difference of opinion in this scenario. They'll actually become unloving towards each other over a difference of opinion there. We've got a community that is desperately looking for this love to be demonstrated and we have an enormous privilege and responsibility to be that community, to show that unconditional love to anybody and everybody, regardless of who they are or what they've done, to be kind and compassionate to people, regardless of what their past might be. Now, having said that, 
That doesn't mean we throw truth out the window and love people without holding them to account for what they've done in their lives as well. Uh, This week we see that horrific news of a man who's been accused of killing that nine-year-old girl uh, up in New South Wales near Sydney. Uh, That man should be held accountable uh, for the crime and he should face justice if he's found guilty of that crime. But we have no grounds to hold back our love and care for that accused person. That's not a box we can create and then tick or put a cross in, sorry. It's horrific, it's horrendous, and the person, if he's found guilty, should face justice. But at the same time, he should be loved and cared for. Why? Because we want that person, made in the image of God, to find salvation. He might spend the rest of his life in prison, but he needs to be loved and cared for. Just too like the family and friends of that little girl who's been uh, murdered. They need to be loved through that grief as well. You see, followers of Jesus must be a community of love, welcoming and caring for all people. Our doors are open for anybody to come in here. We don't care what your past is like. We don't care what you've done. We want to love you and we want to introduce you to Jesus and have the gospel come and take hold in your life so you too can find redemption and salvation. This is our prayer at Exchange Church, that the gospel would so transform our hearts and our lives that we would be known as a community of sacrificially loving people, not just in word, because words are cheap, but in action, in vivid demonstrations. People going out of our way to demonstrate this love through acts of kindness and compassion. Praying that the Holy Spirit would take those acts of kindness and compassion and use them for opportunities where the gospel would be able to come out and we could actually tell them about this love we've experienced, this love that we have got and this love we can introduce you to. I don't know how you're thinking today. Maybe you're feeling a bit convicted right now. Maybe you're thinking all the boxes you've set up for other people for them to sort of find, to get your love. And that if they don't tick those boxes, well, some of you will just cut them off or love them really little-like or won't love them at all. I don't know, maybe there's a name that's coming into your mind right now. Maybe it's a neighbour, maybe it's somebody you know, maybe it's somebody you've just been neglecting, avoiding or even being unkind to as well. Maybe there's a name that's just in your head right now thinking... Yeah, that person. Pray and ask the Lord to forgive you for that lack of love. Ask the Holy Spirit to renew your heart to love that person that is perhaps in your mind right now that you've been holding back on. And then do this. Look for the next available opportunity to show love. It might be simply initially just to actually smile at that person. They're probably used to getting frowns or dirty looks perhaps off you. Maybe the first thing is just a smile. Maybe the next thing is mow their lawn. Who knows what it might be for that person? Just think of that person right now. Think, okay, Lord, what can I do to demonstrate love for them? Now, if you do that for a supposed enemy or someone who who doesn't get on well with you, Don't be surprised that God's Spirit's not working in that situation to soften and change hearts and the relationship here through those acts of kindness may go to a new level. may not be fully restored, but don't be surprised that God doesn't use that to work there to soften. Actually, maybe even have an opportunity to uh, introduce Christ in that. 
So today, as we just wrap up here in this parable, praise God for the love that Jesus talks about here through this parable of the Good Samaritan. Praise God for the love that he's shown us, that we now get this same opportunity to demonstrate this love in this world that is so desperately, desperately looking for it. You see, love has no boxes. Love has no boxes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can uh, gather here this morning. God, thank you for your precious living eternal word. Lord, thank you for the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus, thank you for your wisdom that just goes beyond comprehension. Thank you today that you've showed us love when we did not deserve that love. Thank you, Lord, today that while we were enemies, that your love was demonstrated by going to the cross and dying for us. While we're still yet sinners, your word tells us, Christ died for us. I pray, Holy Spirit, please help us to uh, see that love in a fresh and a new way. Let that love begin to work out through us and change the way we see other people, I pray. Maybe that person who lives next door, that person we've connected with somehow at work, or that person who just is unkind towards us. Help us to be thinking now, how can I love that person? How can I be praying for that person so that they too would experience Christ's love? Father, we thank you that you are a forgiving God who forgives us when we come before you and ask for the forgiveness for all of our unloving words or actions or thoughts towards others. And I pray today that God, through that, you would help us to glorify your name and your person through being sacrificially loving to anybody and everybody at great cost to us, Lord. Help us to see, Lord, it pales into no comparison whatsoever to the cost you showed us in loving us. Father, today I do ask and I do pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.